Welcome to Halal Money Matters, brought to you by Saturna Capital. I'm Monim Salam. And I'm Christopher Patton. I, I really like to uh, interview people but, uh, every once in a while. It's just nice to just sit and talk to you. It is. It's been a long time since the, just the two of us sat down and had a conversation. <laughs> it's even been even longer since we've actually seen each other. I know. That's. I was thinking about that earlier, that we're about to hit the end of the year and this full calendar year. We have not recorded in person together once. Yes. And I think about a year ago, I said something like, oh, I can feel it in there. We're going to see each other soon. But you know what? This time I mean, I'm sure that I'm right this time. Yeah. Soon we're going to be together recording. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, uh, we're, we're coming up on the end of the year mm. and it's, uh, you know, a lot of holiday time and and those type of things. So I thought, what do we do is kind of just have a laid back chat about, you know, like to ho- just the holidays in general and and maybe what people should be thinking about when it comes to obviously they're investing and, but I think it's the, it's an important subject. And is this where you're going to stop me from spending too much money over the holidays? Uh, ex- yes, I would that's actually, exactly what I was going to do. I was, I could see it in your face. <clears throat> I have, this I have is like an three, intervention. <laughs> I have three points. I was going to like tell everybody, stop everything you're doing, you know, go hide in a corner somewhere, take all your okay. money that you were going to spend and invest it. <laughs> oh, okay. My daughter will be very happy to hear that. There you yeah. go. Yeah. No, no presents. And, you know, <clears throat> uh, I don't know if you've had read the stories or not, but this is probably going to be one of the most expensive holidays we've had in a very long time. I was just reading something about that for Thanksgiving and the cost of food and turkey and inching upward. Yeah, we, we totally um, began to f- uh, realize how dependent we are, you know, like even if we're eating turkey, that might be coming from another country rather than from, you know, down mm-hmm. the road or those type mm-hmm. of things. And, and the supply chain really has caused a little bit of disruption. And that's where, where, the, where the prices are beginning to come up. What's so. your Thanksgiving go to? So we have what's called a cousin's giving. All of all of the cousins in our family try to get okay. together. Okay. One, one, one sponsors the event. So this year at my sister's place. And so... Cool. Last year obviously was canceled. So yeah, it's, it's really fun. And to be honest with you, um, you know, I, I try to work out really, really heavy in the morning. <laughs> sure. Right. Sure. Yeah. And then watch football and eat. That's, <laughs> that's my, that's my thing. Cause I'm from Dallas. I'm, I'm a Cowboys fan. That's so, you true. Know, America's team. Boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's not only about the Thanksgiving part of it. It's also, you know, doing, doing the holiday Christmas and, and new year's and that type of thing. And, and typically during those times, you know, I'm actually, uh, attending conferences uh, we don't obviously don't want to celebrate christmas but it is a holiday time but like this year i think after one two years or so they're actually going to have a physical conference in chicago yeah and I'm, I'm, we're hoping there's gonna be a lot of people so and that's so, usually right when christmas is happening like literally right get the, on, yeah on the, the pick of the venues and everything yeah exactly <laughs> like nobody wants to go to a conference except for the muslims <laughs> you know but it's fun i i, I get to see my you know old friends and you know catch up on the year and i really do enjoy it good I, good I, good I, enjoy it a lot so let's let's go back a little bit and and obviously we're not going to be talking about the fact that you shouldn't do anything for the holidays and that's sure that would be a little bit too much but i think there are ways to give gifts um which which are much more long-lasting than um you know things that 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 might not last so for example you know on the low end of the uh, poll is going to be like you know what's in 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 craze right now it's probably going to be bid up on ebay or or amazon and stuff like that and you're going to pray an arm and leg for something your kids are going to do maybe for a month or two. And that's it. Sure. Sure. What's interesting on one of the episodes, if you remember a while back, we had Dr. Mirza, uh, Yakub Mirza. Yes. Yeah. And you know, one of the really cool things that he kind of gave me the idea of doing is he actually gives shares in the amount of funds 
uh, not not necessarily his kids, but but definitely his grandkids and those type of things. So I mean, yeah, obviously great he puts stocking that in, stuffer. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he obviously gives him a regular gift, also. I'm sure, but sure, but it is sure. something that, that that was kind of a novel idea. Thoughtful gift giving. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. My daughter is six years old, and ever since she was old enough to kind of understand the concept of giving as one of her holiday gifts, I have her choose one or two causes or nonprofits to give to as one of her gifts. Of course, she doesn't have them off the top of her head. So it's usually kind of a decision tree of, well, you want to go people, environment, climate, animals, food. And it's been interesting to see her every year kind of get it a little more. And mm, yeah. like last year, half of it went to Australian wildfire recovery and the other half went to like a clean water fund somewhere. Yeah. And it's also interesting to see what they're passionate about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, um, and I, I think I've, I've said this in previous episodes as well, like for my kids, what I tried to do was every time I gave them some money or now that they started to work, I was like, you know, divided into one third, right? One third you invest, one third you give away to charity, one third you keep for yourself. And, and, and it's, you know, my kids, uh, it's interesting to see what charities they choose. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of gives you an idea of what they really are concerned about or passionate about, you know, those type of things. So it's, it's learning experience. It was a learning experience for me as well. Well, it is the end of the year. So what are our financial obligations or things we should be thinking about as the year draws to a close? There are some important, you know, things to think about as the end of the year comes. Before we get into this list, I want to know what was your favorite Halal Money Matters episode of 2021? Oh, I think uh, for me, um, the hands down, it was the uh, economics of Ramadan. That was a just, great episode. Yeah, it was. I just, you know, it was, it was just fascinating to see just the different nuances of different Muslim cultures around the world. And, um, you know, you, you sometimes you think that, oh, this is naturally going to happen because of Ramadan and really the opposite ends up happening. Right? Yeah. Like food inflation, for example. I, I would go with the behavioral finance episode, which was, I think, right around the same time and just learning more about the psychology What's being studied? Where is this field going? Um, what's going on in the investor's mind? Yeah, it was really cool. And to be, I'll be honest with you, like when 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 somebody recommended the idea, it wasn't like my idea. To, or I don't think it was yours either. Somebody else had recommended it, and I'm like, what? Why would we want to talk about that? <laughs> and then and then as we got into it, I was like, whoa, that actually this is a pretty interesting topic. And, yeah. and for for those of you that uh, for those that are going to go back and listen to it, I really like. I still um, in my head one of the last comments that he made. Um, and so I'm not going to give it away. Okay. Um, but yep. it's, I just, I'm, I still sometimes think about um, the idea of uh, what's called gharar in, in, in Islam and his comment that he made on that. It's, it's really, really was, was to me an eye-opening topic. Well, go back and listen to both of these and all of the episodes really. But not only that, you're going to hit the like button. <laughs> and the subscribe button. See, subscribe look, we're promoting button. the podcast. It's great. <laughs> Exactly. All right. All right. Now we can get into the fun part of the episode, which is the money matters. Yeah. So let you know. I think what we should do is just go back and forth. So we'll, we'll play this as a as a tennis match. I'll okay. give you one, and then you can explain it, and then you give me one, and I'll explain it. How's that? That sounds great. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. So number one is uh, review your year, and you know, look at your investments and and see if there's any adjustments that need to be made. Right. So there could be a few things going on here. Um, when you look back at your year, did you have 
major life events. You want to look at your career. Did you get a raise this year? And then also just being one year closer to your goals, whatever they are, whether it's retirement or your child's education, uh, any one of these things could potentially precipitate some type of uh, tweak in how you're allocated or how you're making contributions. And you can always be thinking about this. It doesn't have to be at the end of the year, but some people find that at the end of the year is a kind of a natural time to reflect on these things, making sure that you are keeping track of what you're doing and that you're on track to reach your goals in your various types of qualified accounts that you hopefully have. Yeah. I mean, in the 401k and those type of things, it's, you know, some people only put enough money to, to, for the company match. Mm. Um, but really, um, you know, you can do more. So a lot of times people don't realize that. And if you, you know, are lucky enough, I'd say lucky, cause I'm going to do this next year. If you're lucky enough to turn 50. Oh boy. Oh yeah. Don't even remind me. It's like, I, I just reminded <laughs> myself and I already feel old. <laughs> um, when he turns 50 sounds like a, an episode title exactly we, i'm gonna make a note of that so um so yeah you can increase your contributions um right. to uh what is it i think another six thousand dollars so you can rather than putting 19 five 19, you mm. can go all the way up to twenty five thousand five hundred. and cool. and anyone for the between let's say you're 50 and you're 62 and a half when you maybe think about stopping it now that's a pretty significant extra money that you can put in if you really wanted to mm-hmm. um, to do that. Yeah, and, and um, if you when you first set up your retirement account, set it to fifty bucks because you were just getting started in your career and you left it there forever, it's not really taking advantage of the kind of the full trajectory of your career. Yeah. So just make sure you're keeping an eye on that and um, keeping up with uh, whatever changes you may have in your income. Yeah, and you know uh, uh, the the other thing, Chris, that you know as a Muslim we should be thinking about is really taking a look at your um, 401k, for example. I mean, I know we're specifically focusing on 401k, but this is an asset allocation for all of your different accounts. But specifically for the 401k, uh, you know, maybe now as things slow down during the holidays, it might be a good idea to look at your 401k and see if there's a way for you to make it more halal. Mm. Um, And typically what what a lot of Muslims do is they look for a brokerage option within the 401k. Mm -hmm. And if they don't have it, they go talk to their HR and, and try to, you know, get them to do it. So that that's, a, I think, uh, at, in the minimum, I think people sh- uh, should do that because, um, again, it's a great way for you to be able to make your investments at all. Well, next one on the list, uh, funny enough, we kind of just <laughs> jumped into it, is uh, taking a look at your various qualified accounts. I sort of stepped on this one, but um, I'm sure there's more we can add here. Oh, yeah, there's always there's always more, uh, <laughs> um, you know. I think, uh, you know, on on that one, again, it's very similar to what we talked about earlier, which is your just a review of your all of your accounts. Just make sure number one is that you are if you are contributing to, for example, an IRA, um, rather than a 401k or something, you're maximizing the contribution, Um, you know, you can do it also for your spouse uh, as well. And if you're in the right income tax bracket, then you can also do a Roth IRA, right? If you're not in there, you could do a backdoor Roth IRA. So there are other options to look at and to be able to put money away to maximize um, that type of savings for you. And technically on a lot of these accounts, you have until April of next year to make contributions, but it might be a good idea to not wait until then, because once you get into next year, you could be working on next year. That's true. And And then this gives us an opportunity to talk about it twice in this episode. 
And then later on, when we talk about a New Year's <laughs> one, we'll just we'll remind you again that you have until April yeah. 15th to be able to put, yeah. put, put that money away for last year. So, uh, you know, but besides uh, uh, an, an IRA or ESA, there's also what's called a health savings account. Now, this is something, you know, not everybody has, has access to it. Let's just start there. That's true. It's true. Um, but if you do have a high deductible ins- uh, health insurance policy, um, then you are able to put away money uh, into a health savings account. Now, mm-hmm. some people call this the triple tax benefit. Mm-hmm. You want to get into that a bit, uh, Chris? Do you know what the triple yeah, tax benefit is? I think we should get into it. Yeah. So the contributions are pre-tax, much like a 401k, if that's the way you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Then the growth in the account is also tax-free. So there's your second one. And then if you're withdrawing it for qualified medical expenses, that's also going to be tax-free. So there's your three tax advantages right there. Whereas with a maybe a traditional 401k, you're going to get taxed either up front or when you take it out with a health savings account, if you're using uh, the money for health related expenses, which is a pretty wide range mm-hmm. of, uh, of qualified reasons to use it, then uh, you'd get that triple tax advantage. You know, some people think, oh my God, I, I don't want to do a high deductible because I have so many expenses that I have medical. Sure. And yes, legitimately enough, there are people who might not want to do it. But when I did the analysis, uh, uh, you know, I was surprised at you know, how many people could actually benefit from an HSA? Because, you know, you do still have a, a, a deductible, meaning that after you get to that level, you know, the, the regular kind of insurance kicks in. And mm-hmm. if you're putting away, let's say $7,500 per year, because that's what you're allowed for a family HSA, it still makes it very well beneficial for you. So with a high deductible plan, you're not left holding the bag entirely. It's absolutely worth looking into and learning more about. Yeah. I mean, I, I know kind of just off the top of my head, I think if you're healthy, if you're young, uh, if you're a doctor, you're, you're, you're in, in a family plan is basically um, somewhere where you don't think you'll be spending that much money on, on, on healthcare. That's the right plan. All of those things were medical related, except for the doctor one. Do you know, I mentioned the doctor one. It's all because of contacts. You can go to your friends and get get free treatment, <laughs> and never have to spend any money. So that's I why I mentioned that the doctor. One. Sadly, sounds good though. Is it too late for my money to go back to medical school? <laughs> <laughs> it's never too late. Man. Never too late. So one last thing that I did want to mention, and that is that you know IRAs and four hundred one ks actually have beneficiary designations. Mm. And so you do want to review those maybe not once a year, but if there has been a major life, a changing experience for you, you know, whether it's be a divorce or another child or, you know, whatever it is, it's important to be able to go back and review it. And now Mm. is a good time to be able to fill in the blanks. So the next one we want to talk about is, you know, if you're a business owner, Mm -hmm. right, what, what type of things you could possibly do, you know, to, to, before the end of the year. So I'm, I'm not a business owner. But uh, what might be some ways if I was to think about retaining employees and attracting top talent, what types of things might I offer that I could start thinking about this time of year? You know, those things that people suggest you do, maybe you never got around to it. Maybe it's finally time to do it. Yeah. I mean, you know, the very simple one is, thank God you had a very profitable year. Mm -hmm. You can think about maybe a bonus for the end of the year. That is obviously Mm -hmm. an expensible item, right? Uh, It keeps people happy and that type of thing. But really more for the long term, the biggest one is, is starting a retirement plan for your employees. Employees. Just now we're talking about it from the employee side plan that you've been offered by your employer. You want to take advantage of that. Now we're saying if you're the employer, make sure yeah. you're taking advantage by offering a plan like this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and uh, I mean, there's multiple different benefits and most people say, you know, they, they equate employer plan to 401k, but there are other, the ones that are out there. 
So for example, if you go to our website, Saturna.com, then you can um, look up all the different types of employer plans that are available. So like a simple uh, uh, plan, there's a SEP plan, SEP, uh, there's a 401k. So there's not only one, uh, one size fits all. Um, some are beneficial for one versus another. And that's probably too much for this podcast to talk about, but, but it is something to be able to, to, to look into. And sometimes, you know, you want to uh, match your employees. Um, sometimes you don't. All of those things are flexible enough, um, but definitely offering that. And one of the things that, that's important, it's happening more and more, is that more states are slowly coming up with uh, uh, mandates for actually having these plans. Either you're doing it yourself or the state forcing you to do it. So might as well get ahead of it um, and, yeah. and do it so that you have the choice rather than the state telling you to do it. Yeah. Do you want to be rushing at the last minute and end up with a plan you don't really want just because yeah. you're avoiding it? Maybe it's time to take a look. Exactly. Exactly. All right. We've got one coming up here. I would like for you to kind of get into this one for my benefit. Tax loss harvesting. Right. So, you know, and this this applies to long-term investors and short-term investors. So mm. as, as you know... Um, the government um, taxes capital gains. If you have a short-term capital gains, it's in the high 20s. And if you have a long-term capital gain, it's in low, low uh, high teens. And so what, uh, what you can do is if you did have a realized capital gain, meaning you sold something in the year for a gain, um, you can offset that with a loss. Mm. So what a lot of money managers do, and we do it at turn as well, is that they will kind of offset um, any gains, the realized gains with maybe selling something that's at a loss in the portfolio. And then 31 days later, buy it back <laughs> uh, if, if, if they so chose. And that, what that does is that offsets your capital gains with a capital loss. Now, importantly enough, you know, remember earlier in the year when there was this whole frenzy about GameStop and AMC and a lot yes. of people made so much money. Well, yeah. <clears throat> you know, if they got involved and they sold it in the same year, I mean, some people did it after one day, but let's just say it was like same year. I mean, they're 30% of that. It's going to go straight into taxes. Mm-hmm. Right. And so mm-hmm. most people don't even realize that they're like, whoa, I made a hundred thousand dollars, but technically it's actually 70,000, you know, right. that type of thing. Right. So, so this is a good way that if you had some losses from the other trades that you did, that probably didn't or, or, you know, work out as well. <laughs> right? This that's hypothetical person. Yeah. Is, but yeah. <laughs> right. Then you can actually do that. So that's, that's one way to do it. And if you have all losses and no gains, um, then you can, at least for next year, you know, the losses carry forward. But you can also take $3,000 of the losses and, um, and deduct it from your income. So this is called tax loss harvesting. Um, and it's a great strategy to be able to, to use. So let's say I'm a, your average investor. Sounds great. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. What are my options? Um, uh, that's, that's a great question. So, I mean, you definitely, you know, maybe you can talk to an advisor, mm-hmm. um, have them review your portfolio and, and be able to do that. I mean, if you're doing it yourself, I mean, maybe you can just hire somebody for uh, a small fee and they'll take a look at the portfolio. Sometimes we're in the position, you know, thank God that we don't have any losses in our portfolio and everything's up and we don't have any tax loss harvesting to do, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then be, ha- be happy to pay the taxes because you made money that year. I'm with you on that. So, I mean, the next one is, is, is regarding, uh, you know, very similar to that, maybe a little bit similar to the tax loss harvesting strategy um, is really, and we talked about this at the very beginning where we were talking about the end of the year strategies, which is, you know, gift giving. Um, mm. And really talking about it from a from a from an investment perspective, um, philanthropy, uh, maybe even thinking about um, a donor advice fund or uh, known as a DAF. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, when when you think about philanthropy, maybe you had a great year, 
and your amount of taxable income is way up here. And maybe you want to like bring that down a little, you know, giving either to nonprofits or through a DAF, we can talk more about donor advised fund, uh, is a great way to kind of manage that strategic giving, we would say, potentially. Yeah. I mean, you know, like the last decade, Chris, has been a great decade for a lot of people. Mm. And a lot of people have a lot of, whether they through their company stock employee plan, whether they invested in the company that's you know done really well over the past decade, they have a lot of capital gains that's embedded within their portfolio. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that, 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 that I know, you know, my, my real job is not doing a podcast. It's, it's actually doing portfolio. That's what you think. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, for, for our clients, what we tell them is like, you know, if you're going to give money at the end of the year or even throughout the year anyway, right. Um, one strategy that you can list, let's kind of give an example. So let's supposing you are a person who gave $10,000 in cash to your favorite charity every year, right? Mm. Um, what you can do is take a, take a look at one of the stocks that you have a large gain in, right? Give $10,000 worth of the stock to a charity and then replenish that with $10,000 of your cash into the portfolio. And what that does, it automatically raises your cost basis up to a level where you don't have to do it. Now, what's the advantage of that is that when you sell it, you have to pay your old capital gains and then you give it to the charity. If you directly donate it to the charity, then there's no capital gains tax. And because the charity is non-taxable, they don't pay tax capital gains tax as well. So it's a really great strategy to use to do that. And especially when we're talking about zakat um, or anything like that, this uh, um, using the strategy is really great. Donating a stock is something that I never thought about until this past year, learning more about it. Yeah. I think maybe a lot of people, they are just used to the mindset that you described, which is, okay, you want to donate, you donate the cash, yeah. but it doesn't have to be that way. In some cases, it's more advantageous not to do it that way. Absolutely. In a lot of cases it is. And, 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 and one thing that you have to keep in mind is that obviously the charity that you want to give to, like if it's a mosque or something like that, they do have to have a brokerage account. Sure. But this is sure. a great way for you to encourage them to do it because, yeah. you know, like, for example, if you normally give them 10,000, uh, dollars and you, you know, ended up, um, you know, just giving it and you had long-term gains and you just gave them the stock, that's $1,800 in capital gain savings you're going to get mm. just for doing that. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's different for different people. Obviously you have your own taxes and you're, you have to file your own reports. I'm, we're just being general here. Sure. Sure. And we kind of sort of touched on the donor advised fund or a DAF. It's a fund that you can make your contributions to that then your philanthropic donations come out of the fund when the money is basically coming out of your hands into a place where it can be managed. So, so one thing is, I mean, this is a really large topic, but so I, so sure. I did want to mention, Chris, that we actually on our website have a webinar um, mm. that gets into this a lot more specifically about exactly what a DAF is and how do you do it. But very, very simple is that uh, a, a donor advice fund is an actual charitable organization. Mm. Okay. Um, and once you put your money in there, um, then you get the tech taxable deduction for donating to a charity. But the advantage of that is you don't have to decide right away where that eventually that money will go. Mm-hmm. So for example, you're coming up on the end of the year, you're like, Oh my God, I didn't realize I was supposed to do this. I don't even know what charities to give it to open up a DAF account, put the money there. And then next year or in the next two or th- three years, and you can figure out um, where you want to be able to uh, give that money. It's it a great be- way also if you're, you know, for example, you're working for a company, they go IPO, um, and now you have this huge capital gains, uh, you know, bill to worry about. That might be another reason why you'd want to think about putting it into a DAF and then worrying about later what you really want to do with it 
and how you want to be able to do that. Right. Because the DAF itself is the charitable organization yeah. and the money is coming away from you. It's there when it's in the DAF, it can be invested and yeah. grow further. And it's, I don't know, I kind of think of it as it's sort of like a holding pen. And you can into the DAF, you can donate stock, you can do you know, donate mutual fund shares. So mm-hmm. it's not only cash. So that, that, you know, uh, makes it, and you can actually, for, for those, some DAFs that are able to do it, you could even do like pieces of art or, you know, those type of things as well. It doesn't oh, have to cool. be. Uh, something that's liquid so it just depends on the daft but the, but the other part of this uh, um we're, we're, since we're talking about philanthropy is you know again end of the year right you're going to be with family um you know and it's really important time to be able to maybe have a conversation with them about god has blessed you with some money some wealth right how do you want to be able to leave a legacy behind and mm-hmm. it's a good conversation to have with your family to say you know what i do want to go into charity because you know you, you probably know this chris but for a muslim up to one third of their assets when they, when they pass away can go to a charity. Mm. And so if you do that, you can possibly even build a legacy for the next hundred, 200, 300 years. And so really talking to your family about it and really coming up with a strategy of, you know, what causes you feel passionate about and, and where you want to give and, and how long you want to give for all of those things become a topic of conversation. Um, not to be morbid about it, but it's, it's a great way to be able to discuss charitable giving with your family. Yeah, this is not the first time this topic has come up on this show, and I'm sure it won't be the last as we mm-hmm. try to encourage people to have these conversations that may be difficult, it may seem unpleasant, but uh, it's important. Uh, we did a whole episode about um, estate planning. As you said, not to be morbid, you know, this is a, this is a part of life that we need to address. But that, that was a great segue into the wills and trusts part of it. Exactly. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, you're absolutely right. And and for a Muslim, uh, and uh, uh, you know, it's it's an obligation. We have to have a will. The the Prophet Muhammad said that you know, if you have any assets whatsoever, you shouldn't go two nights without having something written that says what's going to happen to them after you pass away. So it's very important for us to do that. So um, really, uh, you know. Um, again, uh, you know, sitting down and, and this is, this is a conversation you have with your lawyer, right. To who can help you draft it. But this is also a conversation you have with your family, mm-hmm. um, to be able to say, you know, this, this is how I'm going to be dividing my estate up. And, and this is why I'm doing it this way. And this is how I want you to help in, in making a smooth transition. Obviously you're not going to be around, so you don't know what's going to happen after you pass away, but, but having those conversations in advance might actually save a lot of heartache for the, for the surviving, uh, people. Yeah. And this is the kind of thing where people might make it a goal at the beginning of the year. Oh, this is the year I finally address that, yeah. uh, making that plan. And now here we are. And you think, well, the year just flew by. I didn't get to it. Don't let that happen again. If yeah. you can, you still have time. Now's the time. Yeah. And, and you know, some people, uh, you know, when you think about wills and trusts, you think of wealth, but, but really has uh, also, you know, what happens to your children who takes care of them you know, mm-hmm. if, if you and your spouse pass away, especially if you already have a will, the great, you know, great job. But then again, if you had a life-changing event, right, you know, you got a divorce, you had a new child, you know, your parents passed away, something happened that you need to just review it. You might not need to change it, but it's a mm-hmm. good idea just to be able to review it and to figure out, hey, it is still in that place that you left it, but mm-hmm. have it somewhere where people can access it, obviously, because an inaccessible will is not going to do anybody any good. Right. Yeah. Let, let your family know. You, you mentioned, you know, people, they won't be around to see what happens, but I would encourage you to think about how uh, not having a plan could affect your family in ways that yeah. you already listed and uh, let that spur you to action. Yeah, absolutely. 
So we've covered like six topics in, in, in a pretty good short amount of time. I think it's just things to think about before the end of the year um, mm-hmm. and it might have long-term benefits for you. Well, I look forward to speaking with you again in the coming year. And hopefully you've listened to every single episode and you've loved every single episode. That sounds um, great. So definitely subscribe, but also leave a comment. I mean, we, we, we would love to hear from you, um, not only about you know how, what, how this helped you, but also other future episodes that, uh, that, that we need to do. We're always looking for ideas. Yeah. If you want to hear any of the episodes we mentioned, you haven't maybe the economic impact of Ramadan, behavioral finance, estate planning. These are all available um, on Saturna.com or website or on iTunes. Subscribe, leave a review. Let us know if there's something you want to hear. Share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. Please consider an investment's objectives, risks, charges, and expenses carefully before investing. To obtain this and other important information about the Amana Funds in a current prospectus or summary prospectus, please visit amanafunds.com or call toll-free 1-800-728-8762. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. The Amana Funds are distributed by Saturna Brokerage Services, member FINRA and SIPC, and a wholly owned subsidiary of Saturna Capital, the investment advisor to the Amana Funds. Investing involves risk, including the risk that you could lose money. The Amana Funds restrict investments to those companies consistent with Islamic and sustainable principles, which limits opportunities and may affect performance. This material is for general information only and is not a research report or commentary on any investment products offered by Saturna Capital. This material should not be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security in any jurisdiction where such an offer or solicitation would be illegal. We do not provide tax accounting or legal advice to our clients and all investors are advised to consult with their tax, accounting, or legal advisors regarding any potential investment. Investors should not assume that investments in the securities and or sectors described were or will be profitable. This podcast is prepared based on information Saturna Capital deems reliable. However, Saturna Capital does not warrant the accuracy or completeness of the information. Investors should consult with a financial advisor prior to making an investment decision. The views and information discussed in this commentary are at a specific point in time, are subject to change, and may not reflect the views of the firm as a whole. All material presented in this publication, unless specifically indicated otherwise, is under copyright to Saturna. No part of this publication may be altered in any way copied or distributed without the prior express written permission of Saturna Capital. As of September 30, 2021, no Amana Fund or other investment account managed by Saturna Capital owned securities of GameStop or AMC. 